and welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack, and Stephen Caldwell. Today we chat about Manchester City's domestic treble, Toronto FC at RSL, a new MLS goal leader, Bruce Arena's return to MLS, Bayern Munich lift another title, and a very special interview with Wayne Rooney. We just finished Toronto FC at RSL. We're also at Lake winning the game 3-0. We'll get to that in a second. But first, how is everyone doing? Any plans for the long weekend? Good to see you, Shawnee. Any plans? No, no. It's going to be just uh, a quiet one at home. I, I need it. Stevie, any plans for nah, the weekend? Not so sure. Got some I might, random days off here. Hopefully a nice, what are those about? Nice day tomorrow. Let's get that weather up a little go. bit. A bit of sun and then maybe visit my um, good friend Phil for a little bit of barbecue and a swim. Why not? We all know about Stevie's love for barbecues on this show. Often <laughs> comes up regularly. I'll be keeping more than one eye, in fact, two eyes on the uh, Indy 500 qualifying Ooh. ahead of um, next week. Alonso in trouble there. Eh? Lots of trouble going on there. Big stories. Keep an eye on that uh, as well. Let's get into the games of the week. Let's start at Wembley as Manchester City tonked Watford by six goals to nil. Quick story here. My cousin, uh, by marriage, he married my cousin, a lifelong Watford fan was delighted. He was at the game. I messaged him last night. I said, uh, enjoy the game. Just take in every minute. He goes, yeah, we haven't got much of a chance, but we're going to enjoy it anyway. I said, I don't think you're going to get thrashed, mate. They got thrashed. <laughs> Good prediction, mate. <laughs> they got absolutely they got thrashed, absolutely didn't they? Absolutely destroyed. Oh. Um, 6-0 ties the most uh, record for... Uh, the heaviest victory slash defeat, depending on which yeah. side you want it, since 1903. Oh. Raheem Sterling tied uh, the first hat-trick in a FA Cup final since Stan Mortensen in 1953. Just in case Man City needed to break any more records. Yeah. Uh, they have won the, um, the unprecedented domestic treble in men's football in the UK. Remarkable. In England. Absolutely remarkable. Uh, something that we never thought would ever be done. Uh, Fergie was one of the, the great Sir Alex Ferguson was one of the guys that said that it was, it was pretty much impossible mm. to win the domestic treble. And uh, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City have, have done that achievement. They've, they've uh, had great success. And really it was expected, but I don't think anybody expected it in the manner of a 6-0 victory. I certainly didn't. I thought it would be tight and tense and, and tough. These guys expend incredible energy every single game, mentally and physically. Yeah. And so to go into uh, this week after the dramatic last Sunday and winning the title at Brighton after the shock of going to go behind and, uh, you know, I'm sure the party was very curbed, but there would have been some kind of party there. Zero hangover at all. Was there? The guys were ready. They were at it. Perfect tactics. They demolished Watford. They demolished them. Um, I thought, you know, watching it, the manner and the ease of which they went about it, really we can't take for granted, even though it's so hard at yeah. the time. When they're smacking these goals in and they're dominating a game of this magnitude, this just doesn't happen. Yeah. It doesn't happen at this level. And it's easy to make these long range judgments of how the game is now. And of course, Man City have thrashed Watford in many formats this season. And okay, it's, it's one versus eight in the Premier League and there's a dramatic difference. But... I don't think that's the truth. I think the truth is that there's just a dramatic difference between the best team in England than there has been in many, many years than the best team in England. You could go on and say they're arguably the greatest team that we've yeah. seen in English football. The, the winning is tough and they've made it look easy. Yeah. And, you know, if it wasn't for Liverpool, then they would have cruised their way to this treble. You know, this yeah. Liverpool have made them better, but in many ways have taken away that storyline of just how comfortable much of the season has been. Yeah, we, we get very blasé about watching it, don't we? we just, oh, there's another goal and another moment by one of their tremendous players. Um, and, and so we get we get blasé and we get kind of, it becomes the norm. And this is not the norm. This is absolutely phenomenal what we're watching this team do. And 
um, their attitude is, we, we keep saying the same things, but the attitude to me is astounding. I can't believe these guys are so prepared mm. to go out there and to activate the tactics and bring all that quality and, and endeavour and, and uh, drive to the game. And this was a, a, a demolition because of that, KJ. You know, the, we think back to the 10th minute where there was a, maybe it was 11th minute, where there was a wonderful save from Ederson, the one big chance for Watford. Yeah. A star performer, a guy who is, is part of every single game. He's there, he's out, he makes a great save from Pereira. And then after that, I, I always... I want to talk about the first goal signed by uh, scored, sorry, by City's greatest ever signing, mm. greatest ever player, David, David Silva. Silva. In my opinion, he wins a header. He wins a header. He's five foot six or seven. He wins a header because his tenacity. It goes up in the air, and then Raheem Sterling, maybe the second smallest guy in the pitch, wins a header, and then David Silva Silva holds off the defender, wants it more than the defender. And puts it into the back of the net. And and a team so beautiful as Manchester City to score a goal like that that was somewhat scrappy and it was all about drive and determination and, and will to win was remarkable. And it was it was a pleasure to watch after that. The power of De Bruyne, the hat trick from Sterling, the moments of genius for Bernardo Silva, just a brilliant team. Yeah, De Bruyne came on in the 55th minute and was many people's man of the match. He was dominant. Dominant and uh, obviously a man possessed at that time because he'd obviously not played enough football. You yeah. could see he was like shooting out of a cannon. Like, like, was, like he wanted exploding. to contribute sort he of did. thing. Yeah, yeah. He did, yes. Um, surprising a little bit from the start, Gabriel Jesus, Riyad Mahrez given starts. Jesus was magnificent, KJ. Yeah, He's selfless. Energy, selfless. This guy, you know, being, not being the greatest score, goal scoring form for the whole season, always does the right thing. I'm sure Pep loves him. Every manager that works under him, uh, Chichi was the same, wasn't he, with Brazil at the World Cup? Because he's selfless. He does the right thing every time, whether he's in goal scoring form or he's went in a massive drought. He does the right thing. I thought he was brilliant. That was a stroke of genius to play him. His energy was infectious. This was about high octane stuff, high pressure, just being too powerful for Watford. And so the selection of Jesus was really important. Yeah, really important. And um, finally, the uh, Raheem Sterling hat-tricks got a start in the 38th minute when he stole, stole a goal. the goal from Shocking. Jesus. Shocking. <laughs> Some people were putting images on Twitter, live coverage of Raheem Sterling <laughs> committing a robbery, <laughs> which was a little bit like the ball was, yeah. um, I was going to say three quarters of the ball was over the line, but I think that's being generous to Sterling. It was I'd, way, it was probably like, I don't know, maybe nine tenths. used to get some stick for this back in the day. Did. Stealing somebody's Baby goal. Babby liners, like I used to call them. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was, um, I, I'm going to try and stick up for him, but I, I oh, yeah? just think he was certainly he was onside so he you know he was he was um, he could touch it he could put it in the back of the net because yeah. he's behind the ball yeah. and he, why take the chance you don't know where a defender is you blast it into the net but I don't know I've maybe been a bit nice to him there I'm gonna, that was shocking <laughs> was poor shocking. Jesus Jesus to be fair part of scoring a goal and you can talk about this more than me is that the um, the camaraderie and the celebration from your teammates, <laughs> and despite Sterling scoring the goal, Jesus got all the love. Yeah, because he put it in, and they most of his teammates all ran to, him. to him. So yeah. he celebrated as if he'd scored the goal. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever done that. Have you ever celebrated <laughs> as if you scored the goal, but it's not yours? Uh, uh, no, never. You did score a goal that was supposed to be an own goal. Yeah, it was given to you. Yes, is that true? The goal at uh, uh, St James's. Yeah, you scored so an I, own goal. I scored the goal in a, a time weird derby for. 
Newcastle playing for Sunderland. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was challenging. Yeah, Shola Amiobi put the header into the bottom corner. It came off my head. And I've just immediately went, oh, you know what? I'm in big trouble here. I'm going to get some stick for this. And I hear the Tannoy system say, ah, and the goal goes to Shola Amiobi. I'm clapping. I'm like, give him the goal. Give Shola the goal. And it never got corrected, but Amazing. it was certainly my goal. An OG in a time weird derby. Oh. I'd have got lynched. You were, de- you were definitely happy for Shola committing robbery <laughs> on that one, no doubt. Uh, so Manchester City, congratulations to them. They will go down as the history makers, as winning the treble. Although, before we get to TFC in the women's match, uh, we have to mention their Twitter account. And I want to try and pull it up quickly because they called them themselves, We Are The Formidables, F-O-U-R, and took credit for a Community Shield win <laughs> along with a Carabao Cup winner, Premier League champion and FA Cup winners. And as you said, better than anybody, why would you bother doing that? Exactly. You've won the treble. What are you trying to be clever for and make it formidables? Like you know? a class, wasn't it? Uh, community on. Shield. <clears throat> Come on. No, this is this is just ridiculous. This celebrating the community shield yeah. started by Josie Mourinho, I think it has to be counting said. Counting trophies and Zlatan. Yeah, Zlatan. Yeah, everyone's counting this community shield win. Back in the day, it was a friendly. It still is still a glorified is. friendly. Yeah. So you can't count that. They, they missed out in the 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 four trophy, the, the quadruple that That's they were right. going for, and I don't know if it was a play on that, but just keep quiet. You're the the treble winners, domestic treble winners. Great achievement. Some of these Twitter accounts, so we shake our heads at them every week, don't we? We do, and we don't have time right now to get into it. Maybe we will when it becomes more serious, if it comes. But many replies uh, reminding Manchester City this week of a possible Champions League ban over financial fair play. <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on the formidables going forward with that. Um, Toronto FC was certainly not formidable in oh. Salt Lake City as they got demolished by three goals to nil, conceding two goals in the first half and a third in the end, three nil and a red card to Pozuelo pretty much summed up a disastrous day for TFC and unfortunately based on the way they've been playing lately a far too predictable day far too predictable we, we felt that going into the game unfortunately we just uh, we see many flaws with this team at the moment and it was a, an abject dismal performance uh, by TFC that nothing went right they were uh, they had a good five or six minutes let's say where they were on the front foot really create anything then after that it was just downhill from then on it was it wasn't going well at all some uh some awful defending for the first goal a number of culprits yes Zavaleta made the biggest mistake getting caught under the ball and he, he didn't look very brave to me in that moment but how the ball came in the lack of communication nobody closed the cross down Auro didn't cover round then they could have won a challenge all these things added to it. Krylak puts it in the back of it. And that was just the, the attitude of the, the team for the whole afternoon, wasn't it, KJ? Yeah. It was just shocking from them. Uh, no no cohesion in attack, frustration all all round and not enough intensity in defending. And we can go on about travel. We can go on about uh, altitude. We can talk about how hard it is to play in MLS and make excuse after excuse. But, the proper teams in any league don't make excuses. The proper teams have values and they have a culture and they have a roll up the sleeves first, put in 100% before anything else attitude and they don't complain and they accept when they've been poor and they, they, they take it on the chin and they're ready for the next game. When you start making excuses, everybody can see through it. You know that there's flaws, you know that there's faults. Just get on with the job. You were awful in the day. 
you got a massive game. TFC have a huge game coming up next Sunday against San Jose. Yeah, they certainly do. Um, Greg Vanny was asked on the uh, in the post-game press conference locally on the tough schedule and tired legs, to be fair, it was on that. <clears throat> and he did say, when you play five games in 15 days, to come on the road to Salt Lake is always going to be a challenge. We tried to push through it. The guys gave an effort, even when they were down. A man went on to say, um, it's one of those days we keep battling, but I'm proud of the guys' effort till the end, which I think are interesting to bring up because you talk about effort and you talk about going at it. I didn't see it myself. Nope. Um, I want to talk about the first goal uh, in particular, a throw-in uh, that looks like a, a very easy situation to defend. The ball comes across, uh, the ball is thrown in and nobody is tracking the, the thrower for the first place. Jordan Hamilton is looking the wrong way. Ashton Morgan is having to come out from a left-sided centre-back with his arms reaching out as body language to suggest he's frustrated. Comes out, then the ball gets played comfortably to arguably the game's best player in in, in Rusnak, who had all the time in the world to yeah. take a touch, look up, then play a ball over the top. He plays the ball over the top into the box. And then I want to talk to you about the the, dis, the, the difference between quality and energy. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the ball comes over. And, and I think in this moment, when we can pause the ball in the air, Eric Zavaleta and Arrow both make, misjudgments they both mm-hmm. make decisions which are wrong Zavaleta judges to go for the ball and he's and he's made the, the inaccurate decision to go for the ball thinking he can get it and Arrow takes steps back I'm not sure why he's doing that either he's not going towards the ball and seeking the danger immediately no I would say that those are potential characteristics of players who are who were just like quality in those yeah. areas. Is that fair for now before I carry on? Do you think let me say, let me say this to you do you think decision making is a lot down to quality of players. Yes. Right. So they make poor decisions decisions in those areas. And I'm going to put it down for a second in those moments, because I think that's the difference sometimes between top class players and others. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt in those moments. Poor decisions, but maybe that's one of the reasons why they are, no disrespect, but Arrow and Eric Zavaleta. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So then the ball has come over. They've missed the chances to get. Then they are now sandwiching Krylik, who has a time to take a touch on, on his chest, chest. Yep. take a touch in the penalty box on his chest, allow the ball to come down and really go significantly unchallenged and fire the ball into the net. Goalkeeper had no problem. No, yeah. no, no issue with Westbrook. No. So my point being now is the moment that ball touches his chest, now we're talking about a different kind of skill set. Now we're talking about desire and ability to stop anything that comes in in those moments. And at that moment, neither of them two had enough of it there to show yeah. me that they are protecting that goal no matter what in that moment. Yeah. Is that fair? It is fair. Um, I'm, I'm with you. It was bad decisions by Zavaleta and by Auro in, in the lead up to uh, Krylak putting it into the back of the net. But... The desire and the determination and the mindset to defend comes when you step onto that field. Right. Actually, it comes in training. Right. It comes through your entire week of preparation. It comes through what you see yourself as as a, as a football player. And um, I can only speak about myself and the way I like to defend uh, a player who, to me, it was an embarrassment if... I didn't do my job properly and my job was to defend. And so, yeah, there was, there was too many times to mention where I didn't do my job properly, but my mindset when I went out there was to be a defender, KJ. Yep. And I don't think that TFC have, 
I wouldn't say any. They don't have a lot of players that step on that field with a mindset to defend. I think Drew Moore has a mindset to defend. I think he has deficiencies as a player. He's getting on a little bit in age, as everybody has, basically, in, in, in MLS for sure. But he has an appetite to defend. I can't say the same thing about a number of their other defenders. I, I, I don't see it in Laurent Simon. I don't see it in Chris Mavinga. I don't see it in Eric Zavaleta. Eric Zavaleta was like, he's putting his neck into his shoulders. He was mm. scared. He was reluctant to go and challenge for that ball. He should be going in that ball wholehearted, 100%, get a cut eye, get a concussion. Whatever happens, happens. When you're a defender, you don't think about the repercussions. Right. You just do your job. Auro is already thinking about how he can get in the overlap or, or get up the field instead of thinking, my that, mate's in trouble that's here. That's why I think you step back. Right, yeah. so I'm yeah. going to bail him out the, the danger and I'm going to come and head of the ball. So to me, it's a mindset. Yes, they were very poor decisions, but it's the mindset that's completely wrong with this team. Mm -hmm. It starts at the top, it goes all the way through. It may even start in the coach's room because we keep hearing the right things, but we don't see a team that are particularly set up to go and defend aggressively. Now, defending isn't just telling everybody to come back behind the ball and get into a shape. Defending is actually having a plan to go and engage the opposition. And I see a TFC side that have played between, their line was extremely high today, but have played between an extremely low line, everybody behind the ball, and an extremely high line where there's far too much grass in behind. I don't see a team who come back into a shape and then go and press from that shape. Yeah. I don't see an appetite from a midfielder to go and maybe cover a gap or go and address the ball. I don't see a defender that puts his, his body in the line and goes and heads it clear or or makes a tackle or, or, or organises the team all the way around. And that's why they're conceding goals. And that's why it's been Mavinga, Simone, Zavaleta, Auro, Everyone's had a go at, at, at being a culprit for one of the goals. Bradley, mm -hmm. Azorio, Delgado, Hamilton, strikers. Ball coming forward too easily is, is a striker's fault, KJ. Yeah, absolutely. It's a team that's not defending collectively. There's a number of times when Anua just stole the ball off him and started a quick counter-attack because that of That one when they put him through, yep. wasn't it? And, yep. and the line was so high, Jordan Hamilton could have held the ball up. He got dispossessed. I didn't see a man who was fighting hard to go and win no. the ball back. No, I just saw a guy who somewhat gave up. This is, lost the ball. this is my point, and this is why I, uh, you, you can speak all of what you've just done so well for two or three minutes that I could never do because of you've done it and you've lived it. But the reason why I set it up like that is because you just mentioned Hamilton. Deficiencies can be covered up by mentality, yeah. can't they? Work rate. Work rate. Just work. Work rate. Mentality, ability to stop things, whatever you can do. And I think that is the genuine concern of every TFC fan right now is that they know they know that Eric Zavaleta isn't a starting centre-back every single week. Yeah. Eric Zavaleta knows that. Yeah. They know that Auro isn't the best right-back in MLS. He should know that. But they 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 can make... They can give the benefit of the doubt to these players, talent-wise. They can all argue they should be replaced, but you can't make an all-star in every single position nope. in the league, okay? But it's the other stuff that they're asking questions about. And this comes back down to the coaches. Hashtag Ask AFP. Tim asks, should Greg Vanny's job is Greg Vanny's job on, on the line? And these questions, whether we can answer them right now or not, mm. are starting to be asked yeah. by fans. Yeah. And if fans are asking that, well, the people are going to be asking it. Yeah. Because this is the issue, is when you think about our players playing for coaches, those are the things you look at. Those are eight points from the last nine games. 
Last season, they couldn't wait to finish 2018. Can't wait for 2018 to be, there's been a wrong mentality in this group. We need to get rid of the bad apples. We need to move forward for 2019. They come out the gates, win three games in a row in 2019, albeit against some abject teams. And then they've gone on and run now where they've got eight points from nine games. They've conceded twice in eight of the 12 games already. 20 last year out of 34. So it's a similar average, mm-hmm. a little bit more this year yeah. concerning. You're not going to do anything in this league concerning two goals, conceding two goals every week. Yeah, and that is the, the this is the issue. It's not just a, it's not just a personnel issue. It's not just oh, well, they haven't got good defenders. Even if you don't think you've got the right defenders, and you go with a three today, and you play Ashton Morgan a three, which you're not in an ideal situation going to do. Yeah, when are they going to just say we're going to go out there and we're not going to defend? We're not going to give up to anything today. That performance on Wednesday by DC mm-hmm. was slated by some people in the Toronto media this week. Right. Slated by them. People went out of their way to have a go at them. How dare you play an MLS game like that? Yeah. I, when was the last time you saw TFC do that? Yeah. If TFC had played like that today in RSL, that's the kind of game you want to see from Toronto FC. Yeah. Things are not going right well, well right now. We've got guys up front who are missing chances for fun, can't score. Our best player's on the bench. He's not been fit. Let's go out there and make sure that they get, we give them nothing. When yeah. was the last time we saw that? We don't see it because they they can't do it. They can't do it. They can talk about it and 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 I think they tried it in Atlanta, for example, to be hard to beat, much like a DC. And they're nowhere near good enough to even do that because the 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 whole tactics around that team is is the whole mentality. It's not even tactics. It's actually mentality. It's right. a group mindset. Is is not about stopping goals going into the back of your net and that's a big problem and that to me if I was a head coach of TFC I'd be really concerned about that because either I'm not putting them out there with the right mindset or they're not listening to me mm, exactly so it's a big worry yeah. it's a big worry if you're Greg Vanny because even if and Greg Vanny was a defender so I'm sure he's not um going away for any kind of defending mindset he's never been a defensive coach but he is a defender. He knows what it takes to defend in MLS. We're not seeing a team who are prepared to go and put their bodies on the line, to go and work for each other, to to defend as a collective unit, to deny space in between the lines, to come narrow at the right times, to go and address people, double up on quality wide players within MLS. We're seeing a bunch of individuals that are thinking about when this play breaks down with the opposition, how am I going to get to the other side and how am I going to then try and be creative? And then on top of that, in fairness, we're seeing no creativity. Mm. So I don't get it because to me, this is a team through the lack of recruitment and and the the troubles that they had in the window that should just be saying, okay, bunker down till early mid-July when the window reopens, maybe we can get a player or two then, we're going to have to get a player or two then. We're going to be difficult to beat, we're going to play a certain style. It might not be that attractive, but it will be a way of picking up points, picking up wins, keeping us in the hunt, keeping us relevant, keeping the confidence yes. up, not allowing the fan base to get on our backs and any negativity. Guys like us talking about it in our podcast just look like a tough team. You can never criticise a tough team. You can say, yeah, they don't have ability, they don't have this, don't have that. Mm. You can't criticise them because you see the effort. I'm not seeing the effort to defend and that is a massive concern. And that's the reason why we bring it up and Greg Vanny's comments again, that's what makes it perplexing. Yeah. <clears throat> when he's praising the effort yeah. after a game like that, you, you know, you start to wonder what the, what the reason is behind that. Finally, before we get to Canada-Mexico from BMO with the women's game, the mentality needs to be discussed against once more. We've talked a lot about the lack of balance here in the formation. That's not a show for today. The mentality is Alejandro Pozuelo gets sent off. Yeah. 
and he gets sent off because he's frustrated. Yeah. He said after the game, he admitted that it was a red card. He went around and apologized for everybody, but he was a frustrated man the other night. Yeah. And I know the TSC had 35 shots and they didn't score, but he wasn't frustrated because they had 35 shots didn't score. He was frustrated because he didn't have enough good players yeah. around him. Yeah. That's why he's frustrated. He's walking off and he's disappointed with a lack of quality around yeah. him and the lack of an endeavor to play at the level. Good players, top players want to play with top players. Of course. And right now he's not playing with enough of them. He's not, and in his building or was building, wasn't it? And it came to the floor, mm. to the floor. Sorry, when um, he, he did that second yellow card, he saw it coming. You've been seeing it for weeks and weeks, and it's because he's not allowed to play the game that he's best served to to do. You know, the game that we saw against New York City, his debut, and the the early games of the season where he's in really dangerous areas and he's getting the ball he doesn't trust his teammates already so he's having to come deeper yeah. and go into areas to try and get the ball and he's playing passes and people are not in the same uh, wavelength and, and mindset and so he's becoming more and more frustrated because of that he understands that it's going to be a, a, a toil he's probably a little bit tired because he'll be he'll be shocked with the, the difficulties of MLS the travel the heat the different things that are coming in at altitude um, and he he lashed out mm-hmm. and he deserved to go and it was two stupid bookings and he got booked in a game he allowed his emotions to boil over in a game that was away from TFC within 30 minutes and there's a huge game coming up next Sunday huge, huge game for his football club for his head coach who brought him there his general manager a whole organisation who are relying on him for really the only creativity in the team and now he's going to miss that KJ because he's petulance yeah no doubt and boy oh boy things go well if you lose at home to San Jose you think losing away for Salt Lake boy oh boy be careful yeah. there. before we get to Shawnee in the headlines uh, Canada said goodbye to uh, locals by beating Mexico 3-0 as they leave for Europe and the Women's World Cup in France that gets going on 7th of June yep. on TSN Canada won 3-0 Christine Sinclair got another goal just three away now yeah. from the record and in the end a convincing win uh, and a good win with a lot of morale yeah a lot of morale a lot of good stuff out there they were playing a, a Mexico team that didn't really have anything going forward did they so I think they knew they could a lot be, of young players yeah, they didn't make the World Cup so. they've, they've, they've got a bright future uh, Mexican soccer is really on the up women's soccer it's, it's been fabulous to watch how uh, the nation's got behind that in terms of attendances and, and the qualities coming they'll be one to watch in the future but at the moment they're still learning they had nothing going forward I think that gave Canada the confidence to really go in the front foot create some pressure uh, I thought Janine Becky was outstanding in the first half especially we were watching that first half pr- pretty closely she was terrific she was everywhere she played off the left in a, a, a front three with, with Prince and Sinclair very exciting she had the licence to come inside um, I think she could be one of the stars of the World Cup for the national team. And Sinclair got her goal. She she yeah. does what she does best, doesn't she? Yeah. She important, she, I think. Yeah, she she sort of she she reminds me that she's a female Alan Shearer for me. You know, she yeah, it's good she doesn't need to be have such an impact in the game. She's just got such a mindset. She'll wait in her opportunity. KJ, she knows she's she's a calm finisher. She'll she'll find the back of the net. When the chance comes, she puts it away. She gets one step closer. Um, it was a, a good afternoon for the national team. I think they've had uh, a, a good recent few games. There's the tougher tests to come. There's many things to like. Buchanan wasn't there. She was with our squad. Who congratulations to them won the, the women's champions. Yeah, League. Leon four one over Barcelona in the uh, final. In, yeah, yeah. So that was that was nice to see. She was away there. This is one of the stars. She'll be coming back. 
a lot of things to like. Just can't wait for it to get started. Yeah, Hedeberg with the hat trick. Who, yes. who won't be at shame. the World Cup? Big shame, isn't it? Massive shame. Biggest yeah. player in women's women's uh, soccer is not going to be there. My favourite, Jennifer Marazan, did get a goal though, so yeah. to make it to four one. Um, so looking forward to watching her in the World Cup. And a reminder: the we will be previewing the Women's World Cup as we get closer to that. And Canada's um, campaign gets going on Montpellier on tenth of June. I think three o'clock Eastern, twelve o'clock Pacific, and of course they'll go on later to play New Zealand and finish off against the Netherlands all in Group E. Over to you, Shawnee, for this week's headlines. Speaking of uh, beating records with Christine Sinclair, uh, Chris Wondoleski uh, broke the MLS all-time scoring record with a boom today with four goals passing Landon Donovan. Uh, assuming that he retires at the end of the season, uh, how will we remember Chris Wondoleski as a player and as a goal scorer. Well, first of all, I remember him for the fact that he scores four goals when he beat the record. That's Brilliant. A, that's incredible. So four goals. He's barely played this season yeah. either. I mean, he actually started a few games at the start of the season and then they started losing a lot of games. Yeah. He had to truly figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Danny Houston started getting a lot more minutes than him. And then he comes back and, and gets four every credit that he's done that. Um, just a true professional, a man that has proven people time and time again that uh, it's wrong and again, it, it proven people wrong. And again, back to that word again, mentality. Yeah. Every every time you think of a goal scorer, you think of mentality, don't you? Yeah. The highs, the lows that they go through, the droughts. The top goal scorers never let it affect them, KJ. They just keep going. And this guy's a proper man, isn't he? He just goes about his business. So much respect for him. Played against him. Uh, I don't think he'll mind me saying he's he squeezed every ounce out of his career. That's that's the only thing you can do. When you look at that mirror at the end of your career, did I give and do everything? Well, this guy certainly has. He's a record goal scorer. It's a, a fine record that will be a difficult one to beat. And uh, just a proper man, a proper pro. I'm delighted for him. Great uh, great accomplishment. And to do it in style like that, that's, that's incredible. Magnificent. Yeah. Every credit. Keeping on with MLS, Bruce Arena has returned, uh, this time in New England. So for this franchise who's been on a bit of a down, is this uh, a turnaround for the franchise? I hope so. I, you know, Arena's very polarizing. He's a very polarizing character in U.S. soccer, in international soccer. I have to say, I've heard, I heard an interview with him once. I think it was over an hour, an hour longer sit down with him. And some of the stuff he had to say, I was like taking notes. It was yeah. Incredible, like intelligent yeah. leader leader of a mind and then obviously sometimes you know he's struggled in some areas he's been with but some of his success you can't argue with either so i think he's got a lot of work to do it's a team that has got uh, some significant holes and to be frank is well again let's keep with the theme of the podcast they're an mls2 team um <laughs> that have not spent enough money to keep up with the way the modern day mls is going yeah i look at them right now as a team that has been they're almost a sleeping giant. They could be amazing couldn't yeah. they? if they wanted to be. Yeah. And maybe in a few years' time, they'll be, we might be seeing a complete rebrand of um, a team. I don't know. Call them whatever you want. The Boston Bears. I don't care. Yeah. In downtown Boston. Yeah, and suddenly that. they're amazing. Do you know what I mean? That that could happen. But right now he looks like a he's more than a caretaker, but a man that needs to get him away from the just the apathy that's been around the franchise for too long. Yeah, they need some stability. And I think that's why they've went for Bruce. They obviously want someone with being there, done it, experience. And Bruce certainly has that. We, we cannot argue that. I just wonder if he's the energy that's going to be needed to mm. to to shape this team, the the, the coaching ability, the, the, uh, the, the sort of, everyday work that's going to need to be done in the training ground here, KJ, with this team. And and uh, it is one of the 
most difficult franchises in MLS at the moment. There's not a lot of positivity around New England Revolution. There's not a lot of creativity in the team. They're playing in a, a big American football stadium that, that's too large, that they don't get a lot of attendance. They're not so cool, are they? They're not Let's cool at all. They're playing a turf that's rotten, that is, is just horrible to play on. It's flat. It's the it's um, it's dangerous, to be honest, to play football on. Um, and, and so I just don't know if he's got the energy to take all the negatives and come in every day and work on these players, make them a little bit better yeah. and make this franchise somewhat cool again. And um, that's going to be the key if, if he still wants it enough, if he still has that burning desire to succeed. Moving on to Europe, uh, Griezmann said his goodbye to Atletico Madrid fans uh, and looks to be on his way maybe to Barcelona. How do you guys think he'd fit into the Barca eleven? Yeah, I think he'd fit fine. You know, obviously it's the difficult ones to say, okay, where does he play? Where does Suarez play? Where does Messi play? But I think it's a great signing if they accomplish it. We talked a little bit about this this week. We had a La Liga night in uh, downtown Toronto, yeah. Twitter Canada. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he's a similar age to what Suarez was bought. Suarez is now four or five years older, getting injured a little bit more. They need a little bit more world-class players, I yeah. think. And at this at 120 million buyout clause to get a world-class player for 120 million is a steal these days. You can just burn 120 million on nothing of yeah. football these yeah. days. Yeah. So you can buy three or four players of genuine rubbish and just waste your team. So look, if you can get a player of that caliber, I think you make it work. Brings a winning mentality to the group as well. They were getting younger all the time, aren't they? Bringing in Langley yeah. and Malcolm and Dembele and yeah. Artur. They're, they're trying to get younger at the same time. Well, you can't go through a fully rebuild. They're still winning games eight out of the last 11 championships yeah. now they've secured. So I think it's a win-win for everybody really here. And obviously, apart from Atletico Madrid, we'll, we'll sorely miss him. Yeah, they'll sorely miss him. We knew that was going to happen at some point, that he was only going to outgrow Atletico Madrid. And I think it came a little bit later than I expected. He's a wonderful player, world-class. I just not certain where he fits in this team. I think they need pace, KJ. And, mm. you know, I'm not suggesting he's a slouch by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he's not the quickest. He doesn't bring that raw pace that I think this team needs. You look at it and, and, and Messi's messy. He's incredible. But Suarez is getting on a little bit. Coutinho has not worked. Rakitic, Busquets, Vidal. They're, they're getting a little bit one-paced. And yeah. Belly plays sometimes, but he doesn't have the consistency. And so... I just don't know where he fits. Not sure where Dembele runs to when he runs yeah. anyway. <laughs> just open the gates <laughs> yeah. and run out. Yeah, marches, yeah. marches to the beat of his own drum on <laughs> yeah, and off the does. field. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my only concern here. Where does he fit? I think it was a, a signing that they had to make. You know, I, I if I'm any big team in Europe, I'm paying the $120 because even if it doesn't work, you're selling yeah. them in a year or two and you're, you're making money on yeah. that probably because yeah. he's, he's an incredible football player. Although you make a great point, so I interrupt that. Sometimes when transfers don't go great, that can often be the profile is that you just force him in. Yeah. That's why well, they're going to do that and he's yeah. going to play. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so if he doesn't gel with Messi and there's, there's real concerns. People, not a lot of people gel with Messi. No. Uh, he is the star. Mm -hmm. And so when you come in uh, as a superstar, you have to learn very quickly that, you know, Suarez wherever you are it. in the rankings, you're below Messi. Yeah. And Suarez did it. And Suarez, yeah. to be fair, stretches defenders. He runs beyond. Griezmann often Such a loves smart to come. Player, isn't he? Yeah. Griezmann loves to come into yeah. an area where Messi likes Cloggy to go. Clog space up, yeah. isn't he? Messi's what I've So that, you want he? people that stretch that space to create it for Messi. That's right. And I don't think Griezmann will do that. He can play off a side and he can, he can be very effective and he's brilliant defensively. But then 
and a team that isn't quite as set up as Atletico Madrid to go and break really quickly right. as a unit, I just worry that, that it might become somewhat average. Yeah. And, and I don't sure. want to see that because he is a world-class player. I want to see a guy that, that, that goes somewhere where he can really utilise all his strengths. And I don't think Barcelona is the best fit in European football for him. Uh, Bayern Munich were crowned champions of Germany uh, today with both Ribéry and Robin scoring in their final matches for the club. Thoughts on Munich's championship season? A massive missed opportunity by the rest of Germany. Yeah. <laughs> what do no you regret reckon? it, won't they? Like, a team in transition with a lot of problems won the Bundesliga. Yeah. Like, what a chance Dortmund had. What a chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? They just gave up so many silly goals near the end of the season. Bad goalkeeping. You, you name it. Yeah. Um, you know, the Nobody, well, nobody, as they, Bayern Munich sure did, but many people thought that this was the year they weren't going to win it. You know, what were they, fifth around Christmas? Yeah. Just stormed to the title in the end and they kicked up another gear, but I just think that that is, um, a, this is a team that's going to be better next year, so look yeah. out, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, KJ. It's just the chance was there to yeah. compete with them this year. But I think staying the theme of this this podcast is it's, it's a show about mentality, mm -hmm. isn't it? About winners. Well, we're talking about winners a lot this about, year. It's the end of the season. Yes, so. And about strength of character and finding a way and, and, and finding a formula uh, at the right time. And the right time of seasons between February and, and mid-May, end of May. And these guys have done it, haven't they? They've been exceptional since the winter break. They've, they've found answers. Some of the young guys have stepped up. Gnabry's been sensational very good yeah he's been really good there's been a number of them some of the older guys have been great I think Sulla can be a, a top centre half for them at mm -hmm. the back as well and in fairness to, to Kovac he's, he's a classy character isn't he he he's took a lot of stick he's kept quiet he's did his job he's never complained about having to fit Muller in and, and, and still having the presence of Ribery and Robin and everyone around Hummels, Botan could go on and on he just kept quiet. He's went about his business. He's found a way to get it done at the end of the year. And I think it's a, a tremendous achievement by him, actually, to win this title. And I also think that it shows you the the the, the, the true winning mentality of the players that have achieved it. And congrats to Alfonso Davies. Who yeah, gets, brilliant. Who gets to win. He got to lift the shield as well. And finally, on that enormous shield that they win, which is a fantastic trophy. Um, anyone who hasn't seen the Hamas Rodriguez photograph, <laughs> you, were going to say you that. knew it, didn't you? It's not having this. Hamas Rodriguez, who if you've forgotten and we'd give you every right to forget, has been part of Bayern Munich's championship campaign this season. Took a photograph in in, in the nude, I think, uh, with, uh, you know what, being covered up by this enormous shield. And uh, he's got all these muscles. He looks fantastic, to be fair to him. But he's ripped. I was just like, you, you know, you, you've barely played the last few months, mate. Uh, a word on these two guys, Oribri and yes. Robin. Since Sensational, eh? incredible, like yeah. just unbelievable what they've brought to that football club and and the real connection that they've made. And, you know, a, a Dutchman and a Frenchman mm. playing with a German club. Normally, the, the real stars of Bayern Munich are Germans. Yeah. They? These two guys have been embraced and brought in. They've delivered. They've been fantastic players to the to the world game, but certainly to Bayern Munich's a football club. The dream signings. They're the signings you dream of when you make a signing like that of a player in the twenties, and you just hope. I just hope yeah. you stay with me and play at the highest level forever. And that's what they did. Forever, yeah. Forever, wherever they go now, they'll never be like the same no. again. They've peaked, and that's the dream. That's the dream of every big club is to buy a player like that who can be forever be known as your yeah. player and play at the highest level. Earlier this week, it was announced that Allegri is not coming back to Juventus next season. Uh, who do you think steps into the job? And at this point, do you think I could coach Juventus to a Scudetto? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you could. Uh, Stevie, you agree with that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who do you think steps into the job? Hmm. 
What do you reckon? It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I can think of a great okay. candidate. You I, got one? I got one. Okay. Uh, Maurizio Sarri. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah? What do you think about that? You think he might take it? If he's offered the UV job? 100%. Yeah. 100%. 100%. He has to go back? Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I think he would probably be I keen think on it. he's had enough. Yeah. He's had enough. He wants to go back and smoke some cigarettes. <laughs> <instead of pitch. laughs> you know, like he yeah. had a chance to mold the team a little bit uh-huh. into his reign. Yeah. Like move away from the, let's be honest, Hazard's leaving. The yeah. project's getting harder. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's had enough. Fine transfer ban. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, Juve comes calling. <laughs> he wins the Europa League. He finishes fourth in the Champions yeah. League and he just says, thanks. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Saves his reputation yeah. and goes back to the biggest club and one of the biggest in Europe, biggest in Italian football. Let's be honest, he's not that far away from getting sacked because everybody yeah. at Chelsea's like one minute from being sacked anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, I like that one. Sadi, there you go. Uh, last week, Canada's under-17 secured their spot in the under-17 World Cup. Uh, how big are these moments for the national team program? Enormous. We were following it, weren't we? The penalty yeah. went in. It was great. Uh, what, I don't know what show we were doing. We've done that many this week. But we, <laughs> we were doing a show when it was happening at the same time. We saw I think. It, yeah. yeah, we saw it when it went in. And um, yeah. this is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. This is important. Uh, for the national team program. We've had a lot of success at the women's. We're getting semifinals in the, in the youth level this year already. And the men have already said, you know, that we need to keep doing this. It's not just about the men's national team yeah. at the very top. The pathway forward is important in the development of the, in this game. And uh, we just watched it and we were thrilled for the young lads. Yeah, thrilled for them. I, I know a few of the young lads, the, the TFC group, there's, there's some exciting players within that that uh, group of lads and well done to them. It was uh, a big achievement that to... To, to win that big game, much like they're, they're a bigger team, the A team, the, the men's national team is going to have to do the Gold Cup in the summer. They're going to have to win a big match. They did it in penalty kicks, Costa Rica. Uh, lost quite heavy at the US, the semis, but this is about building, this is about being at big moments, qualifying for the, the World Cup that's going to come up in Brazil and, and being prepared and learning from that, taking that experience on in your careers and Credit to these guys. I'm I'm excited for them and I hope they can go to the World Cup and, and do the country proud. Yeah, congrats, boys. Keep it going. All right. Keeping with the theme of talking about winners on the show and mentality, um, earlier this week we chatted with Wayne Rooney. Well, I did for TSN and we're lucky now to get the full interview for you folks. So take a listen and we'll be back soon. All right, Wayne, I want to talk to you today a lot about greatness. Do you consider yourself a great player? What do you think when people like myself or other players call you great? Um, no, I think great players, bad, and I think Messi and Ronaldo, um, they become great when you finish playing. I think um, a lot of the players in the past, um, they finish playing and people truly realise um, how good they was or how great he was, and I think Messi and Ronaldo are probably the only two you could say are great and are world class um, while they're still playing. So, um, and on myself, people have opinions, good, bad. Um, so it's um, I tell you whatever people think. It's great if people think you've done you've done great and um, you've had a good career. So I appreciate I appreciate that um, when people say that, but. I, I really just look for the, for the next game, really look back and think um, what I've achieved in, in the game or um, I, I tend to look forward and, and think what's still left to achieve. But when you do finish, you will obviously be known as 
the greatest goal scorer in Manchester United history, the greatest goal scorer in England uh, history in the national team as well. What does that mean to you that you've got both of those accolades surpassing the great Sir Bobby Charlton? Yeah, of course, it's something which I'm extre extremely proud about and to become the, the record goal scorer for both Manchester United and England is um, something which I never really dreamed about, never thought about. Um, I play football for the love of the game. I love playing, I love watching it. Um, so to have these records and break Sir Bobby's um, records, which stood for so long, means a lot. And I think um, like I'm, I'm not crazy. I know there's better goal scorers um, out there that has been better goal scorers than than what I am. I've had time on my hands, and um, again, I don't play just to score goals. I like to be involved in the game and, and play the game, and I live. Um, to play football and these, you know, records come with it, which is is great. The enthusiasm you talk about there, how much you love the game, I think it's infectious. I think you can see anybody who watches you, you can see your teammates certainly respond to that as well. Can you explain to me what that feeling is like when you score a goal? Is it still the same now as it was when you were a little boy in the streets of Liverpool? Yeah, it's um, incredible. It's obviously Rather, besides winning a trophy um, with your team, it's the, it's the best feeling you you can have on on the pitch. And yeah, I think I said a few years ago actually, it's almost like you you're in a, a daydream when you're playing the game. And um, obviously, there's there's fans there and they're singing or they're doing whatever, but you're almost blanked out. And it's like um, it's like you you're playing football underwater and um, when you, you score, it's that moment of when you come up for a breath and you realise and you, you feel all the crowd and you feel your teammates um, celebrating, but it's, it's a very strange feeling. It's a great way of describing it. I think I read a while ago, you've got some great goals, but is it your favourite, the overhead kick against Man City in the derby? Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think it's obviously... It was a nice goal and um, to win to win the, the derby and we were fighting with Man City to win the, the title that year also and um, I think it was the 78, 79th minute I scored so it was late on to go 2-1 up and just the meaning of the goal and um, how it went in. Um, it's probably probably technically the hardest goal I scored was the, the Newcastle um, volley I scored yeah. but I think the looking back the Man City one is my favourite. This discussion about greatness, I think, is so interesting. Because I gravitate towards greatness of all sports, and I know you're the same. You love boxing, you love golf, and you took on an epic journey to get to the Masters this year, I believe, didn't you? Is that, was that in, just to try and witness greatness? Yeah, well, it's something I've always um, wanted to do. I've always wanted to go um, to watch. I've been to, a, I've been to British Open, I've been to a few other tournaments, but I think the Masters is something I've always wanted to experience. And um, we played in Colorado away, and we were off the Sunday and Monday, um, two days off. So um, we organised to go on the, the Saturday night, Sunday, early hours Sunday morning, and get in for the final round. And Everything went against this. Um, <laughs> the weather meant the, the leaders were teeing off. They were all teeing off shotgun starting. So that meant um, if the flight was on time, we'd get there for 
the to watch the, the leading group basically. Um, and then the flight got delayed, then meant we missed the connecting flight. So it was a long journey. We got there for the last four holes, but right. um, when we got there, we, yeah, me, Steve and Chris, we, we said to, we, to each other, just it'd be perfect if Tiger wins, just to, when you talk about great sportsmen, then he's um, right up there, if not the, the best, he's um, incredible. So to be there to see him win, win the major, and, Winner Augusta was a special moment. You played in some great teams, but when you play against great teams, Wayne, can you appreciate that as opponent? I think about the, I mean, you you won the Champions League final yourself. But I think about the the second one against Barcelona, the goal that you scored in the game. But that team was just so brilliant that day. Is it something you can appreciate and look back on and think I played against a, a truly great side there? Yeah, I remember we lost two finals to to Barcelona. And I remember sitting down, just thinking, any other team, I think, in Europe at that time, um, we would we would have beat. Um, it was just coming up against that team, and I think possibly um, the best team in the history of the sport. And um, it was just a shame that we ended up playing them twice in the final. But no, of course you can appreciate. Um, I think that's the the one team where I remember sat at home actually watching Barcelona play. Um, in a Champions League game, and um, my wife was in the kitchen, um, and I was sat in like, just off the kitchen watching, it and I stood up clapping, and she was looking at me like, "What are you doing?" Um, but I think teams like that, and some of the players, um, Messi, Iniesta, mm. um, Xavi, Busquets, I think people don't really look at them that much, but um, you just have to appreciate these players. And it's been a great week for English club football, obviously with the, the four teams getting to the final and some of the miraculous style. I'm sure you you were watching, what were you thinking when you were watching what was happening last week? Um, devastated <laughs> when <laughs> Liverpool got there. Um, but obviously I respect Liverpool as a football club and um, what they achieved to, to overturn that against Barcelona is incredible. Um, and then obviously the Tottenham game also, 3-0 um, down over the two legs to come back. Um, was was brilliant for them and hopefully they can put on a good performance in the final. And um, and then obviously Chelsea-Arsenal, Europa League. It's um, it's great for English football to have the four teams in the in the two major finals. It's, um, it's great and I think you can just start to feel, I think we went through a phase from 2005 to maybe 2011 where English teams were getting to Champions League finals regular and um, it dried, up, dried off a little bit but I think you can just start to feel that coming back and um, I think that's with a lot of help of some of the managers who've come into the Premier League, Guardiola, Klopp's, um, Pochettino who've been fantastic for the league and um, the, the getting back up there so hopefully that'll continue. Is it something that you were torn with on Sunday? Obviously, Man City and Liverpool going for the Premier League title. Is that as a as a Man United and Evertonian? Was that difficult to watch a little bit with those teams going? For I went on. <laughs> I went on. No, I do. Obviously, I wanted City to win. Um, I think being grown up in Liverpool, being an Everton fan, playing for Everton, then playing for Manchester United. Um, Liverpool is the one team I don't want to win anything. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I think it's hard watching Man City and Liverpool all season challenging for the Premier League and um, I think 
what they've both done this year has been fantastic. And um, but as a, a you know ex Manchester United player, to watch them two challenging is is, is difficult. And um, you know, hopefully, I think with Manchester United, it'll take a little bit of time. Um, but they need to make the right decisions on the players who come in and maybe tweaking um, a few things behind the scenes, which um, will help them get back. Talking about greatness, what's the greatest thing for you about living in the United States? Um, I think people ask me that and what's the differences? I think the big difference for me is the food. It's so different. Um, um, but it's, again, I, I think at home, I, I live my life where uh, take the kids to school, um, go to training, pick them up, and, and then go home and, and be a dad with my children. So, um, and that's the same here. So, um, you almost get into a routine where it doesn't matter if you're in England or over here in the States, it's um, the same routine. And obviously, we don't have all the family around us, um, which we have back home, so that's a bit different. Um, but other than that, um, no, I think my kids have settled really well and they're enjoying school and so we're happy. You mentioned the food. Is that the greatest thing you miss from back home, food? Um, probably, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the small things which um, I've had, a few, we've had a few things sent over. Right. Um, some of the crisp and, and chocolate, <laughs> which, we've got some for you which is so different. We've, we've got some yeah, we've had some of that sent over. Yeah, but no, I think just in general, the food is so different. Um, right. It seems a bit fresher in England, so. <laughs> comedy, do you miss, I miss comedy a little bit in England. Do you miss comedy over here a little bit? The comedy of uh, TV programmes and shows? Um, we watch, we still watch a, a lot of the stuff from back home. Um, my friend got me a, a sling box, which so I can still watch yes. my Sky TV yes. at home. Um, but no, to be honest, you don't have, we don't, because of the time difference, um, a lot of the shows are on during the kids getting picked up from school or just before, so we don't watch a, a lot of it and we tend to have a couple of hours in the evening when the kids are in bed where nice. we watch a TV series or a movie. Last thing for you, and thanks so much for your time. The greatest thing you're looking forward to post-playing career for Wayne Rooney, what is it that you're looking forward to the most? In management, I think. it's. My whole life I've been involved in, in football and it's something which I love. Um, it's what I know um, that's in anything. So it'd be a shame not to, to go into management and try it out and, and hopefully be successful. And um, I've seen so many players who I've played with who have got so much knowledge of the game and it's a shame not to see them you know, give it a go. And, and see what happens, so um, that's what I want to do. I'm working on, obviously, doing my badges, and hopefully when I finish playing, um, I get a, a chance somewhere and, and take it. I have no doubt you'd be a great manager. You're a great player. You continue to have a great career. You're in a great city. Welcome to it. It's, enjoy the, the week while you're here, and thanks again for your Thank time. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks for TSN there for the audio on Wayne Rooney and it was a privilege to sit down with him to be honest mate yeah. and that was obviously for our TSN coverage of the game midweek against DC United uh, from BMO Field Rooney is a player that you played against often and um, I've covered for many years uh, and quite frankly I've never met anybody who doesn't like him mm -hmm. I've never met anybody and any player 
who have ever read anything about them or spoke about Rooney have never heard one bad word about him. And that for me is, is a tremendous legacy. Uh, yeah. Uh, what can I say about him? One of the, the brightest English footballing brains that has, that has ever been mm. in the history of the game. Uh, that's how amazing he was, KJ, as a player. And I think if you've ever been his teammate or you've played against him, you can understand that through his movements. There's there's good players, there's fast players, there's skillful players, and there's these cerebral minds, these these way these lads that come along at, at such a young age when he had this brain of a experienced player. He was exceptional, his movement, the way that he did things and and the other thing that springs to mind when I think about Wayne Rooney is his um his focus and his determination. Mm. And <laughs> so many people say things about your negative things and comments, he's past it, he's this, he's that and just to be professional and quiet and go through your entire career and turn up, put your boots on, pull your socks up and get on with the job. I think it's remarkable. I, 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 I never came anywhere near that. I don't know what that kind of scrutiny is like. Right. I can imagine because I've experienced some kind of scrutiny, but that's another level. And to just keep calm and professional through that is, is, uh, I've got a lot of respect for him for that reason and um, a brilliant professional. It's, it's great to see him here in MLS. He's bringing that professionalism and that uh, experience to, to MLS now and really bringing it the best in his players. You and I have a mutual friend, Cody Royal, who wrote, yeah. who wrote a book called Where Others Won't. Yeah. Uh, for anybody out there, you should go buy it. It's a great Fantastic. book about mentality and leadership in, in business and sport. <clears throat> Excuse me, it's called Where Others Won't. And I think that sums up Wayne Rooney's career. Yeah. Where others won't. He's gone places where others won't. You know, he was a boy from Liverpool yeah. who played for the blue side, not the red side. Hates the red side with a passion as yeah. you heard in that interview when, you know, doubled down on the fact that he's just his hatred for Liverpool and <laughs> devastated in the, and then plays for the blue side, then goes to Manchester. Yeah. Plays for Manchester United. Brave. Brave. Then challenged Sir Alex Ferguson multiple times over contract disputes and really went at it where others wouldn't, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Really threatened to play for Manchester City when Fergie just was apoplectic about it like why would you ever do that mm-hmm. you know and this was before City we were on the verge of that but yeah. you know there's lots of things like that um, challenged them there continued to fight and now comes to Major League Soccer and goes to DC yeah. where others wouldn't you yeah. know and yeah. really rose and continue to climb this franchise and yeah. by the way he's no David Beckham he's no Steven Gerrard no. And he's no Frank Lampard he's a difference maker on an MLS field and off yes. the field significant yeah. difference maker as you can see uh, whenever you watch DC regularly so yeah uh, just just, just brilliant to have him here. He, and I think hopefully for the next two or three years, it's great to hear his thoughts also about wanting to give something back in the game and, and feel like he can give, have a go at management too. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's got a lot to give for the game and I, I don't see him leaving it. It's in his blood. He's an out-and-out winner. Uh, the, the stories that you just bring up there, KJ, just tell you, you know, to leave Everton was a tough decision for him. He, he loves that football club, but he realised he had to leave to win. And so he went to a difficult place for him to go in Manchester United, yes. but he knew that was a perfect scenario. Um, I was at St. James's when I was a young lad. I was in the, the first team squad. Maybe I was about 19, 20 at the time. And uh, the, the youth team came back, the under-19s. Peter Beersley was the coach. And I saw uh, Peter at the side of the pitch. And I said, oh, how'd you get on? He said, oh, we were at Everton and uh, we lost 2-0. He said, this 14-year-old scored a brace. And I said, no this was U19 I said yeah. 14 
I, I actually thought he was lying. I, I didn't believe him because I just could never imagine a 14-year-old playing in an under-19 game. The difference in physicality, the quickness of the game, the, the brain speed that was needed was just too big a step for me. His name was Wayne Rooney. Right. So he was playing with the youth team at uh, the U19s at 14. He was playing with the first team at 16. He's just ahead of his time and a brilliant football brain. Great stuff. You may have remembered on a past show, we talked about um, the card collection that we yes. went to the card collection show. And I said I would bring in a, a pack of 1994 World Cup cards and open them on the day and sealed then go through and them. Unopened. Sealed this right here. So uh, before, as I open the pack, maybe you can tell us a 1994 World Cup memory while I open them. Go ahead. Well, I was kind of young. What I do remember about 94 World Cup was trying to stay up and watch the games yeah. in Scotland. Oh, yeah, that was a hard thing for me. I fell and asleep during the semi-final. <laughs> I remember Brazil, Sweden. Sweden. Yeah, Romario. Romario he woke me up. Horrible game though, wasn't Terrible it? Game. Boring. Thanks. I remember. You give me a reason to fall asleep now. <laughs> I would it always, was a late one, mate. Well, KJ, I'd us. always wake up, and it was back in the days where the TV ended. You know, yeah. you get that, <laughs> <laughs> just like that silly that's scream. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I'd wake up nearly every night, and right. you know that that scream would be on there, and it'd be beeping away. And my parents, God love them, they would let me watch every single. Could rewind it back and find out what happened. Could you check your phone? All right, here we go. We got an we got an open now. We just opened. Upper Deck, um, Football Calcio, World Cup USA 94 cards. Ooh. And the first card is Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne. <laughs> Look at this. Oh, God, that it's is. a special silver hotshots England Paul Gascoigne. Um, but it didn't make the 1994 Obviously. World Cup. So that's a fail right away. That's not good. Why have we got him in here? And we've got the next one is Norway, Jan Argafjortov. Oh, what a player. What a player. And Swindon, if I remember correctly, played a little bit there. Have you seen he? him these days? He does reporting on the pitch. Yeah, incredible. well, actually. Yeah, it says on the back of the card, an exciting young forward Fjortov has developed into one of Norway's best finishers using a combination of strength and speed. Age 27. There you go. So a good got, striker, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a good striker. We got him as well. Let's see who else we've got. We got Ireland's Dennis Irwin. Dennis Irwin, what a fullback! What a fullback! He had for Manchester United. They had yeah. a great World Cup, didn't they? We did. He did have a great World Cup. Yeah. So that was. We got him. We've got Italy's Giuseppe Signori, oh. left foot striker. Obviously, penalty kick, two, yard, two steps. Remember, a couple of oh, steps yeah. and whip it in the corner. Using lightning pace and an ability to score from almost any angle, Giuseppe Signori <laughs> has become Italy's number. Number one goal scorer. He steals in from the left wing unnoticed before firing home with his power-packed size five boots. <laughs> size five. That's a tiny <laughs> That's foot. A tiny that. foot. 40 goals in three seasons in the world's best league, it says. Wow. World's best yeah, league was back then. Past. There you go. <laughs> Who else have we got here? We've got a, a Russian player I've never heard of, actually. Dmitry Radchenko. Radchenko. Nope. Can't remember mm. him. Sorry. Uh, we've got um, Alberto Garcia Aspe, Mexico. Remember, remember him? him no. I remember Garcia Aspe, actually. I remember him as I well. I really so. can remember that Russian. Yeah, you remember him? Who else we got here? Yeah. All right. We've got Paolo Maldini. Oh, he was a better well, player, wasn't he? Best, one of the best defenders ever. It calls him the world's best left back. Maldini displays the maturity beyond his years and likes to attack at every opportunity. Obviously, would go all the way to the final. So that's the pack we've opened Class. there. We'll do it again. We've got to do this again. i got some Yeah, more this is good. Eh? This is good. We'll do them again. We'll open some more there. So hopefully They're you nice enjoyed. Cards. They are nice cards. So hopefully you enjoyed the uh, trip down memory lane. And surely for being the great producer that you are, I know you're a Spurs fan. There you go, mate. Oh, you can have Paul Gascoigne. Despite it being World Cup 94, I just can't look at that 
because it reminds me of us not being there. <laughs> I'll put that in the corner of my uh, Gaza poster in my spare room. There you oh, go, mate. There you go. Paul Gascoigne prize for you. Over to you, finally, for hashtag AskAFP. Uh, keeping with a little bit of uh, retro and story time, uh, Chris asks uh, for Caldwell Corner. A lot of people are really enjoying your story time. So wondering uh, if you could talk about Wigan versus Manchester City. Helps them get to sleep. <laughs> Wigan, Manchester City in 2013. Uh, any good stories? Uh, so I, I was in New York for that game. Yeah. Uh, my brother was obviously involved for Wigan and I'd spent the season, the season before or two seasons before, I can't remember, but I'd been at Wigan recently and I knew the majority of players that were playing in that game. So I was in New York. Because you were uh, in, in MLS by then. Yes. Right? Well, I was just coming to MLS. Yes. So I'd finished my season at Birmingham. I think I was to be in Toronto on the, the Tuesday, maybe after this final on the Saturday. And I was in New York and I was having a couple of beers and wind down as, you know, I'm sometimes entitled to do. You're not having a barbecue? <laughs> <laughs> so I was in New York, Shawnee, and I got up really early because I really wanted to watch a game. I was hungover. Some would say I was probably a little drunk and it wasn't that easy <laughs> to find a bar to watch a game. So, I, you know, I, I wanted to go to a... Then I watch it in a little small telly in some corner. I wanted to go to a sports bar and watch a game and I found this fantastic sports bar. I go in there... I have no real, you know, ambitions or, or no real thoughts that anything's going to happen. I think I just need to be there and watch. Hope my brother gets on him, substitute for 20 mm -hmm. minutes. And I sit there, KJ, Bloody Mary, because I can't get a beer down me because I'm still so hungover. Breakfast but, of champions. Yes. And I watched it unfold and it was amazing. It was one of the best. I was on my own the entire time. I think the guys came along a bit later, but they were in their scratchers for, for most of the game. Right. And I watched it and I celebrated. And by the time the game finished, I was a little bit tipsy again, <laughs> to say the least. And I, the guys called me for the bus. Ben Watson's a very good friend of mine. I was close to Ben. I still am. I don't see him as much, unfortunately. But Ben and I were very close when we were teammates. And I'll never forget them phoning me for the bus. Amazing. Ben is a brilliant character for anybody that, that knows him. Wonderful player as well. West Brom, Forest, Wigan. Palace, uh, great midfielder. Ben scored the winning goal, and Ben was sitting there with the FA Cup on the bus, just with a biggest smile on his face. But he has this calm demeanor. He's just like, it's the FA Cup, Steve. I'll never forget it. He's got the accent. It's the FA Cup on FaceTime. Amazing. Such a great day for a football club. That was a great day. I was, I, I remember. This was one of the games, and you know me, I, I watch a lot of games on delay without knowing. Yeah. People think I'm mad for now in 2019, <laughs> but I was able, I'm still able to do it sometimes. And I like it because then rarely do you remember that you actually watched it later, you yeah. know? So for me, I didn't watch the game live for some reason. I think it was the next day and, okay. I, and I didn't know. That was unbelievable. Didn't know. And that's what made it even better because it's the kind of game that if you watch after and you know, yeah. it, there's no drama in it. Yeah, Headed goal, 90th yeah. minute, you know? Headed goal, 90th minute winner, but I didn't know. And it was amazing because I remember thinking, well, I, I remember calling out Mancini for being a fraud anyway. I thought he was, <laughs> anybody could have basically, he basically almost screwed Man City over. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I was so happy Wigan won that day. Good for them. Uh, Nathan asks, is it more likely that Wolves finish higher or lower in the table next season? Oh, a bit of a uh, higher or lower of Bruce Forsyth. Great question. You know the uh, card game? Higher yeah. or lower? Higher than a five. Higher than a five. I'm going to go, uh, okay, we've got Wolves on the board. Higher or lower? I'm going to go with <laughs> lower. Lower? Yeah, lower than seventh next season. What does that mean? That eight, means eighth or oh, right, ninth, okay. tenth. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So uh, I think that. The continuity shown by them this season is almost 
impossible to repeat yeah. because they've had any injuries. 15, what was that stat? The, they never had a player injured for more than a week, week of the season. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah. Um, 15 um, games in a row where they picked the same team, like yeah. over the stretch. Not 15 games in a row, but 15 unchanged yeah. teams out of, yeah. 30, out of 37, uh, which is incredible as well. They have now, uh, this is quite a relative question, Nathan, following Coldwell Corner, because they're now starting the Europa League. They're in yeah. the Europa League because Man City won the FA Cup and they start in July. Yeah. And that we know that can have an impact as Be well. Tough. So all of that, I mean, I think they're going to get better. They're going to sign a few more players, but that nucleus of player, they really only had 14 or 15 players yeah. that they could really rely on. And one of them was Adama Traore. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> they need to sell him quickly. <laughs> uh, so that's why uh, I will go with... With uh, still think it could be good season, but yeah, ninth, tenth, eleventh, something like that. Yeah, I, I, you make some great points there, KJ. I wouldn't disagree with any of them. I, I was so impressed with them last week at Anfield. I watched them live for the first course, time, yeah. and they're really, really good. They really are so organised. They have such a system. They get the maximum out of every single player. They're they're fun to watch, and I was thinking if they can just get a bit more um, depth. And they can maybe add a little bit more quality, although I I can't think of what player I'd put out of the team. It would be really harsh on even right. Bennett or whoever. Yeah. Cody's been magnificent, Doherty. But if they can just find a little bit more quality, then I think they can really push forward. I think they're going to spend again, but Europa League's always a killer. If you don't have the size of squad, you can't rely on, 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 on some of your squad players to play either the Europa League games, the group games, or to follow up in the league then you're going to get hurt it's it's tough we did it at Birmingham we didn't have a squad we had a good standard of player for the championship we lost a lot of games when we came back from Europe after a great result mm. we went to I mean we went to Southampton for one of the games we got tonked you know we were just exhausted and so it takes it out you you need the squad they need to find players that are good enough to to make up the numbers in the squad you ever have do you ever dream about something and not remember you do it and then something triggers the dream? <laughs> I don't know why you just trigger something. I, I dreamt one of these nights this week and my dreams are always about football. How sad is that? Um, <laughs> just get, I can't turn off. I dreamt that Villa signed Ryan Bennett. So yeah, yeah, maybe we'll win the playoff final. <laughs> <laughs> uh, noted Villa fan Travis asks, uh, "Who do you have coming up from the Championship playoffs?" And do you, oh. and do you see the team losing most of the players? Oh, so the team losing to lo lose most of their players. Um, well, if Villa win and Derby lose, they will lose most of them because the best players are on loan. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like they got some class players, mate. They're, They're good, you know, young, fresh, etc. Yeah. So I I can't really say anything else about this. <laughs> Get a bit nervous talking about it, if I'm honest. Declared an interest, I've mate. declared an interest many times. Anybody who's not listening to this or listening to this for the first time, um, of course, I have an interest in this game. Uh, Villa, I've thumped them twice this season in the league. Does, right. does that mean anything? Yeah, it does. Does it? I think so. Okay. I only go on my one experience and it meant a lot. We beat you Sheffield United. teams many often. <laughs> so you tell no, me. that too. But we beat Sheffield United twice in the right. season that we did it and, and we felt very confident in our opponent okay. that day. And uh, and so I, I do think it has a bear and I think there'll be a confidence there in, in Villa. And let's face it, Villa are the favourites. Villa are the team with... with you know, everything you lose, you could say, because they're the favourites, but they're the dominant team. They have the experience. I think they're the, the clear favourites. 
Shawnee was watching me watch the penalties this week, weren't you? We were preparing for the Rooney interview and we we're just hoping that he didn't come down during the penalties. Uh, <laughs> he was th- the watch. Thankfully, Rooney was watching them. Yeah. He told me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've just been nervous watching my villa. He goes, oh, I just watched them. And so he was watching the penalties. So I ended up watching yeah. them um, with uh, a Blackpool man who uh, was very helpful during the inter- interview <laughs> of Wayne. Shout out to Chris from DC from Blackpool. We were all watching them on the phone. And um, yeah, it was a nerve wracking day. But we had enough quality to see it off in the end. And, you know, We'll see you week Monday to see how it goes. But that was a dram- that, they were some dramatic playoffs. Yeah, incredible drama. Drama the, Leeds just bottled it. The atmosphere in Ellen Road though it was, was electric. Oh, was it ever? I was with a, a, a buddy of mine. Actually, through a buddy of mine, Andy from Leeds. If right, he's listening. He, he's he's been here in Toronto this week, and he was at Ellen Road. Okay, on Wednesday night he flew out to Toronto on on, on Thursday morning, oh. and he said the atmosphere was better than Valencia and the, the big European nights in the early 2000s. He said it was absolutely electric. He was gutted at the end of the game. Frank Lampard not shaking the hand of uh, Marcelo Bielsa until after he went on and celebrated and Bielsa walked on the pitch to find him and then he shook his hand. Is that right? And he said afterwards, I probably should have shook his hand before that. That's not really, not, not, really, class. not really an apology. I'll from, tell you, Frank's never Frank. came out of this whole... Spart with Leeds very well, in my opinion. No. He's looked a little bit petty in a lot of occasions, and I understand why, but it's football. Let it go. Move mm. on, and that, that's poor. You go and shake the manager's hands first, no matter what. He was too busy doing his uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. stupid <laughs> celebration. But anyway, enough about Lampard. Uh, John Terry versus Lampard at Wembley. What a matchup. Uh, Dylan Dyson asks, what is your favourite formation and why? Stevie's big on his formations, aren't Don't you? have a favourite formation. They're irrelevant. Absolutely <laughs> pointless. It's the most overused thing in football formations. Ridiculous. Teams defend, attack, defend. They're fluid with the changing of the formation. So it's just ridiculous. And you can't choose a favourite formation unless you know who your players are. Yeah. That's the key here. There's so many managers that try and fit the wrong guys into 3-5-2 or 4-2-3-1 and it's it's silly. You take your players, you look at them, then you come up with a fair formation or two or three that you work on that you allow the players to be fluid and to change between. I do like shapes and formations a little bit more than Stevie, but I understand he's completely right in everything he says. I will say this. I like teams for the most part who play with the back four. I like a true holding midfielder with toughness that can stop attacks and generally bring a strength tempo to an attack. And in front of him, I like to play... Um, a cut, two midfielders, so call it whatever you want. But and then I like two wide players who can attack and come inside and a forward. So some would say that's four three three. I often think four one four one, but whatever you want, um, something like that for me yeah. is the best kind of shape to fit the best on there. And then obviously it's a different shape with the ball and without it. But I'm talking about that true defensive midfielder that can dictate the play with and without the ball. Fair enough, Stevie. Uh- Two centre backs or three centre backs? Did you care if you were lined up in a three or a two? Um, I preferred the two, Sean. I think that it was a bit more normal to me being in the two, but I played in some brilliant threes as well. And I think it depends, you know. I mean, there's different ways of playing a three as well. There's that sort of middle guy who, back in my day especially, not so much now, he was a bit of a sweeper. So he had to be a bit smarter, know when to give depth, when he can cover over. Cody, Connor Cody, for example, did that really well at Anfield a number of times. He covered the more aggressive Bennett and Bolly. So that was one way. And then if you had a, if you had a kind of ability to step forward, then playing in the left or right, I often played in the left at times. 
because I was quite comfortable on my left hand side. I could step forward into the play and, and play some passes, but two is better. Two is better. Two is a a, a more fluid formation. The, the the recent success of Chelsea's meant that the threes came back into the the kind of um, the the popular sort of formation. But I, I think that four at the back is the way to go. Great. Uh, Simon asks, uh, what in your opinion needs to be done to improve coach education in Canada? It's a loaded question. Uh, what needs to be done to improve coach education? Well, we need better coaches to educate the coaches first and foremost. We don't have enough quality coaches here in Canada. And we need not just good coaches, but good, good coach educators. That's a key thing, Sean. You know, I was lucky enough to go through my UFA licenses at the Scottish FA and we have some of the best we're renowned for being one of the best uh, coaching licenses in the world. Jose Mourinho, Andre Villas-Boas, all the magnificent Scottish coaches came through it. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, Alex Smith, Gordon Strachan, Tommy Burns. I could go on and on, everybody. And so what we have is brilliant teachers. And so they tell you what it actually takes and what it means to coach in different ways and different forms. And so we, we need people like that in Canada. I know Jason's doing some great work, Jason DeVos, and trying to improve it and try to improve the courses and improve the diploma. But at the end of the day, we need more facilitators and we need more facilities and more areas where these coaches can learn. And then we need clubs, whether it be grassroots or professional clubs, to encourage these coaches to develop their coaching, to get their provincial Bs, their national Bs, their As, and move up the coaching ladder because the only way you can learn is actually being out there in the grass and stepping up with your education to get better and better. Good stuff. And that concludes our show today. As usual, please continue to rate and review our iTunes review of the week. This week comes from Oath. He says, love the insight into Toronto FC and even all world football. Incredible podcast. Thanks so much for the words. Kind Thank words, Oath. That's very kind of you. And uh, one last shout out to Danny Boffin, who didn't get talked about earlier when I pulled out my cards, a hardworking Belgian midfielder. So thanks to Danny Boffin. Danny Boffin. I can't remember him. It yeah. has to be said. Google Danny Boffin. Hopefully he's listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this week. We'll be back next week. Thanks to Dylan, Sean, Clay, and the listeners. Cheers. We'll see you soon.